Praise the Lord. We welcome you all to our live broadcast today, Sunday, July 10, 2022. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we have come before your throne of grace, O Lord, to hear from you. Bless us this day, Lord. Bless us, Lord, with your word. And may your grace continue to abound to all our accounts in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book, the devourer for the sakes of all who have tuned in, O Lord. And for those who are in bondage, may they be delivered. And those who preach and minister evil, Lord, may they be delivered. May there be repentance among your children. And those who have not known you, may they know you through your word. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Last Sunday we spoke on compassion. If you didn't join us or have not watched it yet on our Facebook page or our website, I implore you to do so. If we have time at the end of this today, we may say something again on that subject. The instrumental is taken from our brother Caleb Brassi. May the Lord continue to bless him and continue to enlarge his coast so that he can continue to reach his children. We go back to data actions have consequences series. We started with the word of angels. Then we spoke on the word of the first humans and you know why they were destroyed. Then the word of the early second humans. So we are on the fourth item today on the board. Two nations defy God's procreation command. Next week, by His grace, we'll continue with other topics. So let's continue. Today's topic. Two nations defy God's procreation command. The outline. God's command was that human beings should procreate. Two. Satan's plan, impede God's command and his plan. Three, Sodom and Gomorrah, two nations, chose to impede God. Four, consequences for those two nations that chose to impede God's plan. Five, consequences of those who promote same-sex marriage or sexual relationships between the same sex. We shall sing a song which we started today, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. God's command, number one, humans to procreate. Move the next slide, please. Yeah. That was a mistake. Scripture, please. I read from Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Praise the Lord. God created them male and female. There was no in-between. Male, female. What was his first 
command, which I already said is a universal command to all God's created beings, including human beings. It says, increase and multiply. It says, be fruitful and increase. That means fill the earth and subdue it. Because the earth there was totally such a very vast place. It's asking those first humans, increase, be fruitful, and fill the whole earth and subdue it to the glory of God. Praise the Lord. That was the plan of God. And that plan is there. No one should stand on God's way. What did Satan do? Next slide, please. Satan's plan to impede God's plan. Scripture, please. I read from Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Praise the Lord. When the serpent, that's Satan using the serpent, or inside serpent to deceive Eve and cause Adam to eat also the fruit. God pronounced judgment on the serpent. Now he put enmity between him. And the woman between the offspring that's all that is satanic and the woman's offspring from that moment Satan knew who his enemy would be the seed that will crush him will be from a woman a human species that moment he knew God's judgment the consequence of that action was God has said the seed of the woman will do what? Maybe you thought you got one over the woman. Well, his seed, her seed will crush you, will destroy you. So what better way to ensure that the seed from the woman wouldn't ever be born? Satan's created new species of beings. Beings that can be called humans. He sent fallen angels to have sexual relationship with human females or women. And the offspring of such union, you could not say we are fully human. They are not. They were part human at best, but they are not human. But God has said the seed will come from who? The female, from the human female. Not from a part-time or a part-human. So if Satan could get the whole earth to be populated by these fat humans, then you would have frustrated God's plan. Scripture, please. I read from Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. When men began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God 
wiped the daughters of men and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. Praise the Lord. When you see they are the sons of God, those are the fallen angels. Genesis chapter 6 verse 2 says, The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. And they married any of them as they chose, meaning they had relationships with them. And of course they were offspring. They were calling them Nephilims because they are not humans. And that's why God said in Genesis chapter 6 verse 3, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for his mortal. The Nephilim were right in those days. Those were the giants of old, the heroes you read in Greek fables. But they were here on earth, the giants. But they were no human beings. So when God sent the flood to destroy all living things and save Noah and his family, all the part humans, the Nephilim, were all killed also. You see now why God had to destroy that world. Not just also for the wickedness, but because the Nephilim, if the whole world became Nephilim, then there'll be no seed from the woman to come and crush and destroy him. So with the destruction of that first world, God stopped Satan. But we know from the scriptures that Satan never gives up. Always remember that. Scripture, please. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the next item. Sodom and Gomorrah chose to impede God. What stupidity. Like we said in the previous segment, Satan never gives up. So Satan put his next plan in motion after the flood. Promote same-sex relationships and have the world buy into it full scale. If he could get the whole world to buy into this wickedness, human beings will cease to exist on earth. And there will be no woman to bear the seed that will destroy him. Scripture, please. Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 to 19. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Praise the Lord. Please note this contrast between good and wickedness. Verse 18, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Verse 19, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the word of the Lord. By doing what is right, because God already is pointing to Sodom and Gomorrah. What they are doing is what? Not right. So Abraham is supposed to be the one to show the nations the way of the Lord. Those who will come after him will show the nations of the other parts of the world the way of the Lord. I want to know this when we come to next week. 
But you as a child of God, you also come in here. You are supposed to be the light that shows the world the goodness of God. And that same light exposes the evil and wickedness of Satan and his courts. Then the Lord, of course, revealed to Abraham what he was about to do. The outcry against Sodom. Of course, Abraham knew what was going on in Sodom. Of course, he knew. It's so great. And so God has made a decision and confided in his servant, who is supposed to tell the rest of the world that this is evil and wicked. Scripture, please. Genesis chapter 18, verses 20 to 21. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sins so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. Praise the Lord. Next scripture, please. Genesis chapter 19, verses 1 to 5. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night, and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered. We will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Praise the Lord! Satan started his experiment in Sodom and Gomorrah. They were his laboratories for promoting same-sex relationships. Had he succeeded, those two nations would have polluted the whole world. And many more nations would have followed suit. And you know what would have been the consequence? For the seed that is to be born. And for the salvation of all human beings. Item 4, please. Consequences for the two nations. Scripture, please. Genesis chapter 19, verses 24 to 28. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. Praise the Lord! God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. They used burning sulfur. That's, he erased it. Plant, vegetation, human, animal, everything to take them out of the earth. Why? Because they were impeding God's plan. There would have been no human beings left after a few generations if sexual relationships became the norm in all the nations of the world at that time. Imagine that. Human beings have agency, let us always know. That means you can choose. They can do whatever pleases them. 
But they must also know that there are consequences for the actions. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah chose to oppose God. They chose to do those things that God has said that is it. Increase and multiply. Male, female. Not male, male. Not female because that won't have happened. They became the byword for evil in the whole world. And God wiped them off from the face of the earth. You see, as much as you and I have agency, God will never allow our actions when we call his sovereignty into question. Whether human beings as individuals or nations or communities. Or when they carry out actions that undermine his universal command to human beings to increase and multiply. It can never, nobody can stop God. We go to item five. Consequences for the promoters of same-sex marriage. Scripture, please. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 32. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let's leave that for you. Brother Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and you should not be if you're a child of God. It's the power of God for everyone who believes. Believers ought to be bold in speaking the gospel of righteousness. Because when you do, you expose evil. And we will live on this earth, those who have believed, by faith. Not by anything else, but by faith. Praise the Lord. Let's continue, please. Verse 18 and continue. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Continue. For since the creation of the, of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Okay, stop there. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen from everything that you can see. Sun, moon and stars, everything working in order. Which means unbelievers have no excuse to engage in this wicked act. Nobody has that excuse. And when you do, your thinking becomes futile and people will begin to propound theories to justify wickedness and foolishness. Let's continue, please. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Hold up there. Praise the Lord. You see, when hearts are darkened and people fail to adhere to God's universal command, their hearts become so darkened. Even this already darkened, but it becomes even more darkened. And God will give them over to sinful desires. 
So these things are not by accident. When people say, oh, oh they were born, their, their, their natural tendency is this, to seek male and male, or female and female. No, it's not true. It's because of sin. It's wickedness. Let's continue, please. Verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served greater things, rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. Praise the Lord! You see it today, balance in many cities, where you see wicked acts shown on televisions, on the internet, on YouTube, on Facebook. Wicked! And you think God is not watching. But God gave them over because they didn't believe. So they think that is their nature. No, it's not their nature. God made them male and female. Continue, please. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Praise the Lord. Look at what the Lord has said. Perversion. It's perversion. Men having sex with men. Women having sex with women. It is perversion. And God is watching. And his judgment will soon be here. Continue, please. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity they are full of envy murder strife deceit and malice praise the lord they are gossips they are gossips slanderers god haters insolent arrogant and boastful they invent ways of doing evil they disobey their parents they are senseless faithless heartless ruthless Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Praise the Lord. The scripture just read is self-evident. Please go back when we finish and go through them again. Because if we continue to explicate them, it's going to take us a long time. But you can see the wickedness in the people that are practicing this and the one that supports them is reaching to the heavens. That's all I want point I want to make here because I want to go to the next thing. To the next point in the matter. Because these consequences now for those of us who see these things and promote them or keep quiet and like them Defense of sin or sins and rationalizations of sinful behaviors are the order of our times. But do you know who is behind it? Satan is behind those 21st century organizations that claim to be Christian but who reject God's word in one form or the other, especially in the matter at hand. Some of these organizations even defend same-sex marriage. But most are too afraid to touch the topic. Lest they lose in the public square. I wonder how many of you have had this preach in your churches. And some of the few that do speak out do so for political reasons. 
They are not doing it because they are led to. They want to use it to score political points and win over the, uh, the, the people who vote for them. This is especially in the Western world. Only very few followers of Christ are standing in the gap and calling on believers to shun organizations and groups that promote sin and sinful behaviors. Why would anyone who calls herself or himself a pastor support sinful behaviors and practices that undermine God's universal command to increase and multiply? Believers, especially those of you in the Western world, who belong to political and social groups that promote legislations that challenge God, should beware. Because God is against you. Remember what happened to the first world when they went against God in this matter. When the angels came in, those fallen angels to the women, and brought Nephilim. What happened? You saw what God did. He destroyed the whole world. And saved only Noah and his family. When two nations, Sodom and Gomorrah, as we just saw, went against God, what did it be? God destroyed everything. Vegetation, sheep, anything that was, everything was cleared. Nothing remained. Even someone that looked behind, Lord's wife, turned into a pillar of salt. So let today's sermon be clear to all and sundry. That God's wrath will fall. If the 21st century world continues to encourage and promote same-sex relations and same-sex marriage, notice that you can take it to the bank anywhere. I know many third world countries, there are bans on such things. That's a matter for another day. But the point is, it is through the scriptures that you draw men and women into the truth and convict them and draw them to Christ. Some will speak on that subject. One final warning to everyone, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, hear me today. Be careful what you like on some of these social media like Facebook, YouTube, or any other online media. Be careful what you like. Be careful what you say to others about same-sex marriage. And be careful with the company you keep. Whoever promotes, supports same-sex marriage, challenges God. Those of you who like posts on social media promoting sin, you must stop immediately. You are incurring the wrath of God. Please stop in the name of the Lord Jesus. Many young persons, especially the educated ones, under the guise of being woke, you know, that's a new last line. Embrace what they clearly don't understand. If I had time, I would have told them how work originated and what its true meaning is, which has now been taken over by wicked people. Those who claim to be woke and are not being described as woke don't know how the term woke came to be. Go and Google it and you find out. Woke has been claimed by the so-called social justice causes, especially in the Western world. Followers of Christ must only use the word of God to judge any cause. When they say this one, they're cheating us, they're doing this. They must only participate in such causes if God directs them to do. No matter how rightness the cause of an organization, that means they're doing some very good works. 
the members of those organizations will make God their enemy the moment they embrace other causes, promoting sin and acts expressly forbidden in the scripture. So what has happened is some good works have been done somewhere and then they bring this same-sex marriage and promoting it and join them together. And they say, we're all disenfranchised. We're all... No, be careful. Because God's wrath is about to fall. Let me say something about compassion in this matter. Last Sunday we spoke on compassion. So I want you to imagine this world as a giant aircraft falling from the skies. It has lost control. Because remember, the pilot is Satan. But now the control is off his hands. Because God has now said, I am God. And I'm sovereign. And I've decreed it to end because of wickedness and evil. And you're not a crowd with your family and friends. But you see, because you're a believer, you have a parachute. Which at an appointed time you will just take off. If they play Christ, it will not affect you. But inside the same aircraft, the giant aircraft, you have other parachutes, but you need a password to get at it. In the front of this giant aircraft is a beautiful restaurant, bands playing beautiful music, and your family and friends want to rush down to go there. And you're telling them, no, 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 no. Let's first go and get the parachute. Leave that one. They are running there. Don't say you should come. They get angry with you. My question will be, wouldn't you push so hard? Please, don't go there. There, you are going to die. If you don't come and collect this parachute of life, you may, everybody will do it. And yet, here as we speak, between last Sunday and now, many have gone into Christless eternity because no one witnessed to them. And you think God is happy. No. God is still weeping over the world. And he wants each other to weep over the world and do something about it because it's in your hands to do something about it. It's for you and I to convince them, not by force, but by persuasion, by prayers, by intercession, by living a life that they will also emulate. That is what compassion is all about. And when you have done that, you begin to lean, and each time as they do it, you lean on the everlasting arms of God. And nothing shall by any means touch or hurt you. That is, you can take that again to the bank. You can take everything I've told you today to the bank. God is very, very angry with this world. Because of people who are committing the sins of that happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, we're going to speak other things next Sunday as this continues. But this is the topic for today. I know there are so many other things bothering people. But please note one thing. Whatever is your concern today, all I ask you is lean on the everlasting arm of God. And nothing will touch you. So we're going to sing this song now, leaning on the everlasting arms of God. And as we sing it, trust in the Lord. Trust in Him because He is God. He loves you. He called you out of darkness as you have believed. But why don't you make others to believe? Why do you keep this salvation, this parachute of life only with you? Why? Why? You are afraid? God will ask you on the last day. It's simply telling you what you ought to do so that you don't cry on the last day and see your loved ones 
and going to crisis eternity. Or your neighbors going to crisis eternity. Or those that you ought to have preached. You've not seen which only has spoken to that black man on the street. If I don't explain this, if I don't leave this, maybe they wouldn't have been going there. Praise the Lord. So we're going to sing our song. Leaning on the everlasting arms of God. What a fellowship that we have with God. What a joy when we lean on the everlasting arms of God. What a blessedness. What a peace that is yours and mine when we lean on the everlasting arms of God. Let us be leaning on Him. Because when we do, we are safe and secure from all our lambs. Let us lean on the everlasting arms of God. That's the only place of find comfort. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way. Remember we are pilgrims on earth. Leaning on the everlasting arms of God. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day when we lean on the everlasting arms of God. What appeared dark becomes bright because we are on God's arms. Leaning, let us lean on the arms of God, my brothers and sisters. Let us have hope in eternal life. In Christ who came and died for you and I. Let us lean on the everlasting arms of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And nothing shall by any means touch or distract you. What have you and I to dread? What are we afraid of? What do we have to fear if we are living on the everlasting arms of God? What can we be afraid of? You have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on his everlasting arms. Let us lean on the everlasting arms of the Lord this week. Try it for a moment. Let your thoughts be centered on Christ him crucified and resurrected this week. Just imagine yourself because that's where you are. Project your soul, your spirit into the heavenly places. Where Christ sits and is welcoming and is encouraging you and I as we speak today. He said, my sons and daughters, go out in my name and preach the gospel. Go out in my name and preach the gospel. The gospel of Christ, not the gospel of human beings and Satan. And he says, and lo, I'm with you. Even on to the end of the age. What are you doing about it? What am I doing about it? Shall we pray? Our Father and our God. The honor is all yours. Glory, blessings, Lord, all yours. We stand and we bow our knee. We worship you, O God. All who are watching today, Lord, worship you. And we are praying, Lord, for you to open our eyes and our hearts. To see the field where we ought to walk in. And Father, as we preach the gospel or reach out to others, Father, they may come into the seven knowledge as they receive the parachute of life. Father, because you are God, we are praying, Lord, have mercy. I know the pain. I know the compassion you have for the world. I know it's going to come to an end crashing soon. That's why you sent us to warn the world. You sent your children to warn the world. But Father, I'm praying for my brothers and sisters who are in the faith. 
that they will not fall. They will not look back like Lord's wife. They will press on for the prize of the port call of God in Christ Jesus. That they will not be allowed in distractions, oh God. Help my brothers and my sisters, especially those who have been faithfully watching this broadcast. That they will become the centers of excellence. To glorify your name wherever they are, Lord. If the tempter comes, Lord, Father, you rebook the devourer for their sakes. Bless their homes, oh Lord. Bless their families, oh Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May your presence abound to the account this week. May they walk in the valancing arms of God. Not just today, but always. In Jesus' name we are praying. Thank you, my Father, my God. The glory is all yours. In Jesus' name we are praying. Praise the Lord. By His grace, we we'll see you next Sunday. Be praying for us as we pray for you.